I am unashamed. What about you? So people ask all the time, especially new people to to us, you know, because podcasts is a lot of folks that didn't necessarily watch our hunting stuff or whatever, uh, what kind of equipment we use. And so I get a lot of questions about what shotguns we use. Of course, we have different ones, but through the years, but Benelli, I guess, has probably been our our go-to. Yeah. The, probably the, yeah. A lot of people are like, well, how come y'all keep changing shotgun companies? And we're like, because they dropped us. It was an arrangement. You sign like a two-year deal. Hey, shoot Browning guns. You right. shoot Browning for a couple of years. Then they're like, all right, contract's up. Yeah. So we're like, will you will you use this for another year? And they say, no. Well, then somebody else comes along. Yeah. You know? So Benelli came along, but we really, I mean, I think those are our two favorites throughout the process, but mm. I'm kind of like Phil on that. The best kind of shotgun is one that goes, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. There you go. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first Benelli ad. So, they're, yeah. they're, so Martin says he's sending... They're, they want to do a new thing? What are you doing? They, they, I got a call the other day, and they said, Martin says he's one that hunts with us. He's run Duck Commander up there now under Willie's auspices of Willie Boy. <laughs> but he just said, look, Benelli asked me to see if you would do them a favor and just do a little short five to six lines is all they want. Mm-hmm. Something about Benelli shotguns because they they sent us shotguns to you, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. I thought, well, they one of our sponsors there. So I thought, well, I thought about it about ten minutes, and I said, tell you what, the the film crew was coming for Blaze TV, so I said, I said I pulled out in the middle of the woods. I took that Benelli with me, and I said, I said boys, set the cameras up, point them. Do that thicket right there. Oh, so now you're so you you're, even, you're directing now. You're, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. What? So I, I walk up there and say, get them cameras, get them cameras set up right there, and point them through that thicket right there. I'd have loved to have been a fly on a. Tree. They were they were sitting there looking at me, you know, like wonder what this is all about. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to walk into the scene. I'm just going to walk up. You know. So you had it in now, your so mind. He's writing and. Yeah. So did you have it in your mind what you were going to say? Roughly. I just thought, I said, I think five or six sentences. I said, let me see how I pull five or six sentences together that will have a little weight with them. Yeah. So I thought, okay, here's what I'll do. So I told them, I said, look, get them ready. When, you, when you're speeding, let me know. And they looked over at me. I took some black face paint and blackened my face up to make it look a little realistic. So I just said, y'all speeding? They said, Go. So I walk up there and I said, That's you, speeding is a TV term. My lines were, and they were going fast. My lines were, I said, so you're trying to tell me that the the, the, the Italians don't make the best meatballs on the planet? I said, That was yeah. your opening line? That's my opening line. They're, Italian is famous for meatballs. I just brought it up. I said, they also make this. And I, I said, that is called a Benelli shotgun right here. And I just pointed it at the ground. And I just boom, 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 just <laughs> blowed three holes in the ground there. Of course, they're sitting there, the film crew, you know, like they weren't ready for it to be that loud. Boom, boom, boom. And I said, was that thing, this thing has about as much chance hanging up as I do having a hangover. I said, having a hangover? I said, yay, Italia. They got. They got shotguns and they got meatballs. They make the best. Case closed. <laughs> I don't know what the Italians will think about it, but I thought it was a nationalist, nationalistic approach to it. You yeah, know, yeah, to be yeah, proud yeah, of being Italian. Italian. So you did it. We make the best meatballs and the shotguns on the planet. How many takes was this? One take. Oh, really? I said what I had to say. So have you sent it back to them? Because I'd love to know. I, I'm not thinking they're going to go for this, but I could be wrong. Martin, Martin, when he it got to Martin, back to him up there, the crew sent sent in the stuff. He they didn't need any editing, no nothing, nothing really? cut out of it. I said one take, winner take all, boys. And I put my gun back up. I said send that back to them. Well, they sent it to Martin and them. They Martin and them went nuts. They said they laughed and just, just. Well, they need to when they run a commercial, if they run it, they need to put a Phil Robertson production <laughs> That's <right>. entirely. <laughs> That's that way, if it comes back on them. 
Well, they That's can't it. beat the price. They invested in the whole thing, I guess, the price of our shotguns. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't want to be. I'm not greedy. No. You know, yeah. all I want is a good shotgun tote, and I'm, I, I, I spoke the truth. In I love. would imagine if, if Martin's happy with it, then I'm sure the Benelli people will be too. Yeah, Meat Martin's calls. pretty amazing story because Martin. No one has called me and said, thank you. None. Nobody. <laughs> I, well, just, I just did it. They said five or six sentences. So you, you got to remember, Jace, you're a good storyteller. But if somebody tells you, mm-hmm. look, would you do us a favor? We want a national advertisement, but you don't have the five or six sentences you can say. I mean, you're pretty limited. Yeah. On, on, so I tried to make it short to the point and get out of there in five or six sentences. But it was classic, yeah. Phil. It was classic you because you you didn't, I mean, you, we've all seen the commercials of like, you know, trying to describe the inner Hi, guys. Hey, guys. We're out here today. Yeah, this is, this is the best shotgun on the all market. Right. I mean, it just. A little cheesy. Do you realize, though, what you may start? There's probably meatball makers in Italian. <laughs> Italy that are like, we don't understand why all of a sudden everyone is ordering these meatballs. That's right. And they won't even know that it was all some guy came from the mines. I give credit where it's due, and the Italians, I've eaten different types of people that make meatballs, including Miss Kay. But I would have to say, the Italians... They just, rule the roost when it comes yeah. to meatballs. Oh, and you look at shotguns, you say, I'll tell you what, did yours ever hang up this year? Zero. Mine too, zero. I mean, look. It's hard to say that about I, anybody. This, and if you notice quickly, I didn't want to bring it up, but since y'all brought it up, when I pointed that thing at the ground, it's hard to shoot a shotgun that fast into the ground. Yeah. You know, boom, boom, boom. Well, one of these days you'd have tried, boom, boom, boom. That's hard to do. <laughs> It's a timing thing because you, you, yeah, it, it's yeah. not that easy to go boom, 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 just shot into the dirt like that. But yeah. I just did it. But I see why they fact. let you do it because nobody would have signed off on that happening. No, no, no none, nobody. <laughs> That's why I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do. Because <laughs> then they said, oh, well, I think what you ought to do. I said, well, we've oh, talked it. about it before, though. You, you did when they first came out here years ago and did. They had all these meetings and all this stuff, that, all oh, the ideas, yeah. and then Dad just blows them away with a, just a off-the-top-of-his-head take on the boom, boom, True. boom. And then it was like, well, I guess we're done. But I mean, even when we were filming our little duck show. I was show, speaking of dependability. It was yeah. dependable. Right. That's what I was trying when to convey. The night the snake comes out of the hole in the tree, you know, they everybody thought Si was just being crazy. It's like, well, there's, there's no snake coming out of the hole in the tree. This is what the producers were saying. And I wasn't sure so I wasn't making it up. <laughs> but so I just grabs a pistol while we're filming and fires off the whole I think it was a revolver, so how many it held? Six, five or six, six, yeah. six, six rounds in the hole. Well the camera people thought, was is it blanks? Is he Cause they wouldn't, they wouldn't think that a man while they're filming would discharge a weapon, shoot live, live ammo rounds. They haven't lived around cottonmouths that long. So an argument ensues. But what, what is going on? Did he just discharge a live firearm on set? Which actually, the set is in the woods where we do discharge firearms. But it caused a lot of, you know. Ripples. And so they're like, well, there was probably no snake and those probably weren't live rounds. And so they just went with it. So that, that was how the argument ended. So over look, the so- entire span of the show, <laughs> if I had $5 for every time I preached the gospel to them, Jesus died, was buried and raised from the dead, God in flesh on there. I did it over and over and over. How many times does it make it on it? <laughs> well, right. They but, never ran it, and the longer they went with not renting it, and they tell me over there, well, can, you don't want to use in the name of Jesus, amen, while you're thank, being thankful for yeah. your food. I'm like, do what? I mean, yeah. I just I just didn't get along with the whole apparatus. But I've said before, I think that was a positive in a way because it made us more passionate about presenting that out while we were filming. Well, which, and the other thing, Jason, you're talking about a culture clash. I mean, you, when you have a, you have a basically a production company based in California with all the rules they have there coming into Louisiana. And then you've also got a, and they're your, higher ups in New York. Then city. you've got the New York 
you know, chain. Yeah. So it was but, a Bermuda Triangle for well, that to even get pulled off. I tell, I told you that story because after the argument, you know, about half the crew they were packing up. It was done. We were sitting there by the fire, just kind of like, I cannot believe Sai just shot six times in that hole in the tree, which they did run on. It, it's on the episode. I remember. You know? I remember that. Episode. So look, we're sitting there, and the main arguers. There's just a small group of us left, like seven or eight of us, and we're sitting there. And I kid you not, a four and a half foot snake comes crawling out of that same hole. I just saw something. I said, look at that. And he crawls right next to the fire. Nobody's saying a word. I was like, non-poisonous, non-poisonous. And he just goes right across there. I said, well, I guess that answered that, that there was a snake in there. <laughs> and somebody said, and so I shot at it. I said, and Sai is a terrible shot because right. he fires in such a small hole. Six shots, you would think, because the snake was not wounded whatsoever. So there were no snakes harmed in the filming of that no. episode. It was just such a crazy moment, though, because I looked around and there were no cameras. Uh, one of the guys ran to get a camera and actually got a little shot of the camera going in. Probably the, a chicken snake. Wood. Yeah, that's what it was. Chicken snake. But I thought... You could so, have picked him up and played with him. He wouldn't have beaten you. So look, the so next, how did it how did it play out in the final? Because cut? well, they actually tried that that little scene of the snake going by the in the woods yeah. actually made the cut. You okay. see that snake in like a what do they call them a, a cutaway or yeah. whatever. And uh, yeah, they 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 showed it, but because even though they argued that this is against policy and against every rule. <laughs> That you did. They liked him shooting the six rounds into the tree. You see? <laughs> Somebody so, wishes they would have thought of that and put six blanks so in there. So like that, explosions and uh and uh blowing up explosions, loud noises, uh firearms. They would have instructors show up and oh, yeah. and, and give give everybody a speech on what they were fixing to do. Well, um, right. But remember when I made the cow decoy and we turned it into a dove? Deal. And I told him, I said, don't show up here until a certain time because I don't want to scare the doves. And I think I've told this story before, but we get in this cow decoy and because I, I knew it would work because we've hunted out a cow decoy. We made a decoy out of a cow. And so, well, here came some doves and he had the uh, little slate in his hand, the guy that goes, action. He hadn't even said action. I said, hit the ground. He lo- I said, on the ground now. <laughs> so he hits the ground. And I just raised up. There was four doves coming by, and I, boom, killed two in one shot. And so I turned around and looked at the camera, and the, all the cameras were down because they once the gun went off, they all, like, it scared them. It's dead. <laughs> I said, point the cameras that way. There were your, that was your chance to get over-the-shoulder doves dying from the cow decoy. That's why a so, real a, a real view of of Duck Dynasty would have been way more footage duck hunting. I thought that's what we were going to do. Yeah, no. but it was. But no. it turned out. I mean, I turned out to be not much of a Duck Dynasty fan, <laughs> and, and I was on the, the thing. Yeah, I wasn't. A, I wasn't. A fan. Well, it's like Shocking. even that. They Dad didn't. was not a fan because they <laughs> they a wanted long five years stamina test on my behalf. They, well, said, you know what's weird, Phil? They wanted, they didn't want the decoy to work. They said it's funnier because we had to take a timeout. I mean, the producer said, timeout, okay? So we all had a meeting. He's like, you can't discharge a weapon when all the people are out here. That's against yeah. against the rules. I was like, where well, L.A. and Frisco <laughs> meet duck, duck men in Louisiana. It's just friction. The friction there, Al. Well, so after I, the, I can't I, believe well, the show did as well as well. It after did. that hang time, on, hang on. Let's take a break. So we know that running a business, uh, human resources issues can cause real problems, and especially because there's so much more you have to worry about than you did in the old days. And also, human resources managers are not cheap if you had to hire somebody. So there's a company called Bambi that was created specifically to be able to help out with this problem. They have a dedicated HR manager that basically crafts it for you for $99 a month, uh, which is great. It's month to month. There's no hidden fees. You can cancel any time. 
phone, email, real-time chat uh, for your business. So you might want to check these guys out if you have a small business and it's growing. Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E.com slash Robertson. You get a free HR audit when you check these guys out. That's Bambi, B-A-M-B-E.com slash Robertson. You need to do their tagline. Bam to the B-E-E. <laughs> but you do it so much better to do it again. Bam to the B-E-E. <laughs> Chase is a marketing guru. So after that moment, they then brought in a new contract that we had to sign about the discharging of weapons was was off limits. So it wasn't two weeks later after that. We're out there filming something. It's me, you, Cy. Of course, Cy has a pistol on. Nobody said anything. He just wore a pistol because we were... Because he can. We, well, we were out in the wild, and they don't realize that we... Plus snakes no, don't care if you're filming. That's right. They don't say, oh, we won't bite you today because y'all are filming. <laughs> so you better have a gun. <laughs> you know? so, and by the way, Louisiana's an open carry state, so anybody can carry one or right. hip anywhere in the state. So we're filming, and sure enough, so I see some ripples out on the water. Has nothing to do with what we're filming. Next thing you know, boom, boom, here he goes again. He's fired. And so they're like, time out. I mean, they're using four-letter words, upset. People are crying because of the trauma that Sai has shot. And I said, we use guns. This is what we do. If you can't deal with that, don't hire people that go into trauma at the discharging of a weapon. We're, we could have made it a lot more real than it was. That's all I got to say. A lot more well, real. It's realistic. But, you know, like we said when we first pitched it, we said, they said, what do you think, Dad? I said, I said, I don't think. I said, people don't want to watch a bunch of rednecks shooting ducks. I said, oh, yeah. they're not going to watch that. I said, but God may be behind it, so he'll give us a big audience to get the gospel preached. That's what happened. And that's what we've, it's still, the gospel's still being preached. Yesterday was probably when we met with the brothers, one, two, three, four, five, about five different groups, you know, from Missouri, you know, Kansas, you know, I don't know where all they were, they were telling me where they were from, but it wasn't from around here, that's for sure. Right. So we get, it's still, still going. That's right. We baptized one guy, he was up the way, I don't know, I forgot what state he was from. Well, it, you know the the show grew out of us doing a hunting show on the on with Benelli on the Outdoor Channel. So I think that was the transition that yeah. happened. But it's well, if y'all uh, want to start really, on really. Romans five, why don't I have one little one little thing I could do just quickly? Are we going to talk about therefore again? Because I've had some more it, therefore moments, which it, is the it, first it, word it, of Romans five, exactly. Which is how far we I just noticed. I just noticed something, and I think it'd be worthy for y'all. Just to listen to this, Lay it I, on. I just happened to notice. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, I underlined every time uh, I ran up on these words, and there's about 25 times in 21 verses these things are mentioned in stress. Justified, peace, grace, uh, hope, Verse 4, verse 5, hope. Another one, love. The hope's mentioned twice. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, love no, is where, mentioned. Where, where are you? I'm just going Romans down five. through. I'm going down through there. And I'm down to about uh, saved is mentioned in verse 9. Reconciliation, reconciled to Jesus. 1 in verse 10, reconciled uh, to twice in the verse 10. And the last thing he says in that section, verse 11, one more time, reconciliation. That's mentioned three times in one paragraph. Then he speaks a little bit. When he gets down to about verse 15 or 16, it's a gift, what Romans 5 is saying, grace. It's a, there's grace, gift again. It's a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's, it's given to you. It's a gift. <laughs> on, on down there in verse, uh, verse 16, gift one more time. Back on justification, verse 16. Grace again in verse 17. Gift again in verse 17. You finally get down to about uh, the last part. It kind of sums it all up. 
Grace, where, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That's about eight to ten times grace has been mentioned. So that just as sin reigned in death, we all got it from Adam, he said earlier, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He ends it all up by saying all these things is so that the human race can have eternal life. And amazingly, Romans chapter 6 tells you when all these things are played out. I just thought it worthy of note that reconciliation, justification, a gift, love, joy, and all these different things, you know, you're like, boy, he really hammers it in chapter 5. Yeah, I would, in fact, I would say that's a good word to arch over because, you know, we talked about condemnation or destruction yep. in those first three chapters, but this is the idea that that can be reconciled, that can be dealt Everything with. Everything right. coming out of Romans chapter 5 is great news, That's great right. news. Yeah. Exactly. And by the way, I look down there, and you like you hit a little bit on chapter verse 8 of Romans 5, Christ died for us. And then, you know, and then, in other words, the, his death and his resurrection are, are woven throughout that whole chapter. And then Romans 6, you know, it really is an eye-opener, you know. We died to sin. We were buried with him, raised with him. So there's your death, burial, and resurrection well, of Jesus continues. I yeah. just thought it worthy of note how many good things came out of Jesus showing up and dying on a cross and being buried and raised from the dead. It's amazing. Yeah. I noticed also, I guess we've been thinking along the same lines, that in that Romans 4 that led up to 5, it kind of hit me that when he used the example of Abraham, about how this was going to be by faith and not by, like you said, earning or works. He first told him to leave his past. And so when you think about how the cross transitions to that, you know, God dies for our sins, granted present, I mean, a past, present, and future. But we think of that more like, in that realm that all my past sins can be removed, you know, at the cross. But then he told him when he had the situation with Isaac, because he said, this is going to be based on promise, which is all in, you know, Romans four, that all nations are going to be blessed. I mean, I got, however you want to look at it, we're going to save the world through your family, through your offspring, through your offspring, future generations. So then all of a sudden he has this weird moment where he's like, but I want you to give up your son, your only son. And you're like, why? Why did he do that? So I thought of it like this. Okay, first he's already told him to leave his country, you know, his place of origin, where he's at, where he's lived, where he's rooted, go to a place he's never seen before. Now he gives him this promise that all generations are going to be blessed. We're going to save the world. And now I want you to abandon your future. And I thought, why, why, why is he, why was that such a big deal? Well, then it hit me because he talks about grace. You're right. Even in, in chapter four, he says yep. in verse 16, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. So we've already gone through that. So then he goes down to verse like, 20 where it says he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised so God let him go through that transition of unwavering faith because really it came down to do I trust him to do what he promised well then it says this is why it was credited and then then he gets down to the resurrection. He says in verse 23, I have a point that I'm getting to, but it says the words it was credited to him or written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God would credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead. And we brought that point out last podcast mm-hmm. that he reasoned that God could raise the dead by asking him, to give up his only son. And so even though they didn't go through that figuratively, 
he gave a picture of the death, burial, and the resurrection. He did. Well, then he seems to keep that theme up for this entire chapter because the last verse of 25, and this is my point, it says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And my point is, you can't have one without the other. They're, they're intertwined because then he, he, he seems to put exclamation points on that. Hang on, Jess. Let's take a break. So one of the hardest things about doing a lot of traveling is that you don't have a consistent sleep situation. You know, you get a different hotel. Yeah. I mean, I tend to rate hotels by having a decent mattress versus another, but sometimes you just, it's just bad, you know? Oh, yeah. You just wake up, your back's in a in I kind of rate them like, how many times did you almost get robbed or <laughs> how many gunshots? I think you and I are staying in a different hotel. <laughs> well, one of the things I don't have to worry about at my house, nor do you, Jace, is uh, is is our beds because uh, we use uh, Helix mattresses, uh, which are fantastic. And um, you have several, and so do I, because yeah. uh, we, we really like this product. Uh, we went and took a little sleep quiz and basically found out what we like, and then they sent it to us, and we still have them. You go to helixsleep.com slash unashamed. You take the little quiz, and then they're going to send it to you. And basically, you have a 100 nights risk-free to try it, and uh, but you're going to love it. It's a 10-year warranty on the product. Helix is also offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our unashamed listeners. So it's helixsleep.com slash unashamed, helixsleep.com slash unashamed for up to $200 off. So he gets to verse 8, and he said, God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died. Well, there's the dying part. And then it says, since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Which is there the resurrection again. He just words it different. He says, from his death on the cross, well, now how much more by his life? It, yep. And so then he gets into this, picture of Adam that seemingly brought death because the two are intertwined in his sin. It actually brought in physical death without really having to highlight it. Cause once sin separated him, he was banished from the garden. He couldn't eat of the tree. He couldn't keep living, you know, the tree that was sustaining life. So it actually brought that situation. So that's why I say a lot of times I think we t we tend to distinguish sin, our sin problem and our death problem, you know, physical death, but they're they're intertwined. And so is as just as much as Jesus's death and resurrection. Cuz a lot of people argue about Romans 5 cuz they're talking about is he talking about physical death or spiritual death. And that's my whole point. Yes. Yes. It it was all bad. You you having the consequences of your sin is bad. And you dying is also terrible, equally. Yep. I mean, if you had to pick one or the other, what are you going to pick? They're both bad. It's, 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 and they, you can't single them away. And I think that's why, that's what he's trying to do in Romans 5 is to realize that that, that death and that burial and that resurrection, death, you get grace, and resurrection, you now get life, cannot be and should not be separated. And I want I want to read this for the actual words from Genesis twenty two to to your point, Jay's. God said, "Take your son, your only son, because He'd already told him He everything. All the promises are going to go through Him. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I'll tell you about. So it's another one of those where He just sends him out." Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took two servants. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place. And then he said to the servants, you stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back. So, you know, to the point of mm -hmm. that sort of confidence, 
I mean, and and we know the Hebrew writer says he reasoned to the resurrection that was going to happen. So, I mean, but what what faith? I mean, because oh. because you were going about to plunge, and even the boy, even Isaac asked him. He said, "Uh, I see the wood and I see the fire. Where, where's the where's the lamb?" And, All right. And, yeah. Well, see, I asked Cole last night because I read. I said, you know, there's we. I don't know. He came in. He would eating because we're all back in Westboro now, even my son, uh, Cole. And he was like, what are you doing? Well, I was studying this. I was reading this. I said, I'm trying to figure out why the biblical definition of hope is so different than the American or global definition of hope. And he said, what do you mean? I was like, we use phrases like, I'll go buy 20 lottery tickets and hope I win. So, well, whatever that means is not what hope is in the Bible. <laughs> you you okay. follow me? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so we started talking about that. And I was like, and I used that Abraham as an example because it says in 418, against all hope, in hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Well, then when you read chapter 5 and verse 2, the second part, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, then he gets to verse 4, and he says, you know, this this suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, And, 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 th- and look character. at that, Jace. And then it says character, hope. All right, well, verse 5 is what I wanted to highlight. He, so then he says, and hope does not disappoint us. And I said, Cole, that's where that the saying that triggered my thinking. I was like, well, if you bought 20 lottery tickets and you didn't win, how would you feel? Hopeless. Disappointed. <laughs> I was like, whatever this hope is, it, it it's incapable of disappointing you. So how would you define it? And look, here's what my son said. He said, I think that there's not a word in language that can describe it. Good point. That was a good answer a good from answer. somebody a lot smarter than me. <laughs> yes, which is my 22-year-old yeah. son. <laughs> That's why it was straight A's at what, what college did he go to? Pepperdine. Pepperdine. That's why yeah. it was a 4.0 student, I think. But, but Jace, look at look yeah. back at verse. I wonder where he got all that sense. What do you think, Jace? Uh, it came from somewhere. The Holy Spirit? Because it wasn't from me. I'll tell you that <laughs> well, right now. well, he does say it does not disappoint because God has poured out his love by the Holy Spirit who's, whom he's given us. So, but look at the process, though, Jace, in verse 3. And then think about this referring to Abraham. We rejoice. Not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we also rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance perseverance, character, and then character produces hope. So you notice that's a process. Yeah. You remember last time we talked about that Abraham, this whole thing, you read the story, you go over and read Genesis 22, it just seems like it happens in one day. That was the culmination of 40 years of when he was originally called. And, mm-hmm. and he went through a lot during that process. And so I think what happened was by the time he got up on that mountain with his son and he was going to kill him because he was convinced God was going to raise him, he had built enough character up through that process of going through all this that it wasn't that he could have that hope. Yeah. We use this passage in, in the Miyamu, our, our charity, our daughter's charity to help kids with cranial facial or cleft palate issues to like bridge the gap between the physical and the spiritual. Because I think in a physical way, those kids, they go through suffering it produces perseverance. That's right. It produces a, a character as far as dealing, because they deal with the process better than the parents. That's right. And then it does lead to hope in a way because they're they're constantly thinking at the end of the road, I'm going to be way better off after the 14th surgery or whatever That's than right. when I started. So then we try, you know, we try to, because this is more about Jesus and what He produces in us, but it's still a different kind of hope. You know, he, he gets to Romans 8, a couple chapters later, and then where well, a lot of people think he's talking about the material universe. Y'all know I don't. I just think it's because I think it's talking about people, whether you're dead or alive. But he then makes this deal about we eagerly wait for the redemption of our bodies, the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies, the revealing, you know, of the imperishable body. And then he says, well, who hopes 
for what he already has. Right. And so we read that, Cole and I, and then, then we basically said, so basically what Abraham did, if you read Hebrews 11, is he trusted God. He had hope in something he had never seen before. He had never seen a person come back from the dead. Right. But he just assumed that he was going to do it. So I asked Cole, I was like, well, what is the illustration then? What do we hope for that we know that's going to happen, which is different from buying a lottery ticket, that we've never seen before? And look, we could not think of one thing. <laughs> First, he said, well, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. I said, well, you've seen that before. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, let's take another break. I like <laughs> Hebrews 6 after reading uh, chapter 5 of Romans because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, and he's saying, I swear by myself, Abraham, all nations would be blessed through you. I'm going to save the people that will obey me. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. When God says, I'm going to make you a promise, and I can't lie, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you something that you can fled to take hold of the hope offered, and, and I'm encouraged by that. It's yeah. uh, what, what, what Jesus did is, is the definition of a living hope. Right. That's even that we can't even really can't even comprehend. It's beyond, because we basically concluded that that's why he said faith needed to be the reason on how you come to God instead of the law. That's why he added. Because, well, he said faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And he adds that to that little part. He said, we have this hope. And, and here's the key thing, I think, what Romans 5 is about, too. As an anchor for the soul, yeah. firm and secure. Well, you know, you, you, hope is what, what, what keeps you anchored. That's, that, right. that's, what, that, that's, that's what keeps you corralled, meaning uh, uh, stay with Jesus. Don't, don't, don't forsake him. God promised on an oath he's, he'd save us. He's, made, he's, good, he's good for his word. Right. All you have to do is continue the march. Don't back off, back down, back up, stay, stay the course, mm-hmm. stay the course. <clears throat> it's an anchor that holds you. It does. And it, and it's also generational. You know, it's interesting because Abraham, you know, he, he saw, he finally got to see, you know, this, this country that God said, this is, this is what the promise I gave you way back when it first started. But then through a series of generational events, as you go down the lineage of Abraham, his people wind up, you know, in Egypt, famines and you know stuff's going on. They wind up there and then became enslaved by the Egyptians. And then they turn around with a hope to go back to that promised land again. There was that same thing. So, you know, God just kept showing throughout human history, Jewish yeah. history, that if you'll just trust in me, I'll get you where you need to go. But, but humanity does not we? I mean, you want to do it yourself. I mean, keep going back to that idea that I could do this myself, and yeah. that's the biggest issue. And, it, and like you said, Jace, that's why he says faith. That's why he says grace. And think about it. Even that word reconciliation, the idea about being alienated from God and to be able to be reconciled with Him. But you're only going to do that if one side of the equation is able to extend grace to allow you to reconcile. You know, well, you, right. You know, it, it's like I t- Missy the other day, I was giving her, we were talking about this on purpose and God doing this on purpose and grace. I was like, well, because I, I, uh, I had reconciled with a tick on my leg, lower leg. The tick reconciled with me, <laughs> and I didn't realize it till I, 
I mean, where I'm and driving. He was home. hanging on too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I feel a something. messenger of the evil one. I feel something, and I, you know, popped the tick off. And so when I look, and I, I could see blood just streaming down my leg. I mean, it had buried up to where when I pulled it, it just blood went everywhere. But the thing was so small that because I was no, I was not interested in grace. I was fixed to kill that tick. But it was so small when I went to get it in between my two thumbnails, it, you know, because I had pulled over by this point. I got to kill this tick that's on me. So this happened while you're driving down the road. Yeah. So I open the door. Here we go again. And the tick falls off. So the tick falls off while I'm trying to kill it. And I thought, I mean, if you did a weight, you know, like when you have a fight here, this thing doesn't even weigh. It would probably be not even registered on an ounce. No, and here no, I am, no, no. 170 pounds. And you would think, because I thought about grace, you know, God is so much bigger than us yeah. and we're so small. And I was trying to, I was trying to explain to her my <laughs> encounter with this tick. And she was like, I don't know why you keep bringing it up because it was grossing her out. And I was like, babe, just, just listen to me. The duck, I mean, the tick is riding on something with all this power, living off the blood that I'm supplying. You don't see the connection there? <laughs> yes, ticks are gross, but in God's eyes, people are gross. I was like, God takes things that are gross and he uses his grace. That's right. So that was my point, you know, yeah. but, but she didn't ever get to my point because she was so grossed out by the tick and the blood going yeah. down the leg. But I was saying, I showed accidental grace, which God doesn't. And she was like, what is accidental grace? And I was like, I tried to kill the thing, but I couldn't because it was so small. I couldn't get my, <laughs> couldn't get my thumbnails on it. Accidental grace. I've never heard of that. I never knew that. That may be a book title. So book. look, here, and, hey, hang on. Let's take our last break. Well, the bumper sticker moment of that story, which is what I'm saying is when you're, you're trying to relate to grace, you look at things the in The bumper light. sticker. Yeah, the bumper sticker is gross to grace in some fashion. <laughs> gross to grace. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't that who, what we are? Because you think of a tick as disease infested and CR, but humans, when, when it, it's all how you look at it related to God. I mean, you're like, oh, you're calling us a bunch of ticks? Compared to God, yeah. We, we, we're, Our we're, old pal we're, Steve Adam would love this conversation because that's what he says. You sorry, tick. You yeah. know, so that's just, yeah. uh, that's a, you know, we're all just a bunch of ticks. Well, people are fascinated about it. Brad Paisley wrote a song about it, you know, about ticks. Yeah. He said, like he wanted, he wanted to be, have his woman check him for ticks, or I think he would <laughs> like to check his woman for ticks, which is part of being married. That's okay inside the marriage. I've asked Missy many times. Tick check. Tick check. Red bugs. Ticks to give you fever. I know that. Well, and sure. Phil, you got bit by a tick yep. and, and, and developed a fever. I sure did. Out of something so small but terrible. He bit me on you my know? little breast here. And I, and I, when I popped oh, him. this show's gone off the rails. When I popped the little him breast. off. When I popped him off and killed him, that thing wouldn't get well. Kind of got puffy. And when I finally ended up, you know, they trying to research on what what had me. You're hallucinating. I gave them the. I, I gave them. I told them what I had. They had to pack you on ice. Oh yeah, that's what mom said. Rough fevers, hundred and four, hundred and five. Really, it's rough. Tick one tularemia is what he gave me. So you had. So you were in college when that happened. In college, 20 but you years also ago. had some like weird blood things after that. After that, yep. I wonder if that's related to your other. I don't know. They say I have too much blood. Too much red blood. Cell. Blame that tick. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know if we want to reconcile these hey. ticks or not. Dad sounds like he's got a he's hey. about ready to do get well. Rid of. It's just I'm making you the better, point. Anybody running low on blood, get a hold of me. <laughs> I'm making the point that feels right. Grace keeps coming up. And when you get to the second part over and over of, of chapter five and verse twelve, he then goes into this analogy saying, Look, we needed we have the law so that sin could be utterly sinful, like it could be bigger. Then it says... The law was given that, to in, to make it worse. Well, then it to says, it, look, hide. in verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if 
if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? And my point is, if you think about this, he made sin bigger through the law, but that also made grace bigger through Jesus's innocent sacrifice on a cross and resurrection. Yeah, he Would mentioned you agree? That it, in, it became global is what I'm getting at. Right. He, he mentioned in verse 14, before the law was given, there was still sin. In other words, death reigned from the time of Adam. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did. In other words, and if you look down in verse 20, the law was added. Why add misery to misery? Now you got it written down on what to do and what not to do. Let's see if you can do better now. Didn't help mm. at all. It was added so that the trespass might increase. Mm-hmm. Man, you, you know, when God pulls these moves, you look at them out and you're like, well, why put a bunch of rules and regulations on top of what's already written in their heart? They know what right and wrong is. They violate what their conscience knows is right. Well, they've sinned. But all of a sudden, then you give them a code to live by, the written code. You say, here's this on top of what all the sins you've committed up to now. And it did make it worse. But the good news is grace, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That's my point. Yeah. That's yeah. the next bumper yeah. sticker. Is sin it? reigned through death, through righteousness to bring, bring life at the through Jesus our Lord. So you look at it, you're like, that is the wildest thing I've ever read right there on how God did that. Right. Yeah, he's basically saying grace is global. Yeah. It, it's for everyone, which is why he brought the two groups of people, which is you're either a Jew or a Gentile. He addresses that in chapter 2. It this this It's also that God, God did, didn't decide to be gracious. He just is gracious. You know, where's the verse where he said uh, in the, he chose to extend his grace towards us before the beginning of time? Where's that verse at? I will, I will find that. that. That's a good one. It, so, so while you're looking for that, you, you think about it again. Just think about any normal relationship. Relationships are hard. And it's hard even when you love people. It's hard with your wife. It's hard with your kids. It's, you know, it's, it, relationships are tough. But if you if you remove grace out of the equation of any relationship problem, then you, you're going to see why people never find reconciliation. So I yeah. always say that that faith faithful people have a much more a bigger advantage when you understand that and what it, and understand sacrifice to be able to repair relationships. Because I don't know how you ever do it without it. Exactly. Second Timothy one nine. This is a doozy. <laughs> this is one. Then wait, what? Uh, yeah. Okay, because Al, this goes along with the theme of our show, which is so. Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me as prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel, which is that death, burial, and resurrection that mm-hmm. we say is intertwined, and you know, and who He is, and Him ascending. By the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, which therefore goes into the Romans 5 law theme, yep. but because of his own purpose and grace, here's the sentence I wanted to get to. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus, do what? Before the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. It, with that, Ephesians 1, 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus in accordance with his pleasure. You say as a, the plan is the plan, and that's what, and you just see it unfold step at a time. Right. Well, it's also where some people have, and, and we, we try to stay away from philosophical arguments out there in the religious world, but one of them that irks me just a hair is because when you start talking about this kind of stuff, people say, well, that means there was only a certain, certain number a, a certain number that he loves or you know that he's a certain number that he was gracious to. But I've always said when you start looking at the, 
the character of God, he's not like us. He doesn't change his mind in issues that are about his nature, which you read. He, he doesn't change his nature. He, he, he's not bound by time. So when he loves everybody, when he created everybody, when he shows grace to everybody, that's gone on since the beginning of time because he didn't, he didn't start at time. He just inserted it inside his and remember line of you, eternity. You can understand that fully if you remember that one little phrase that led into that. In him, in him, we were chosen. All right. So well, let, let me read this. Jesus one verse. was the key there, not us. You're yep. right. And I th- I want to read this one verse because I think it illustrates what I'm trying to say. This is First Timothy four nine and ten. It just popped into my head, but it says this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. For this we labor and strive. That we have put our hope, which has been the theme today, in the living God, who is the Savior. Now listen to this. Of all men, and especially of those who believe. I think that pretty well put everybody into the category that Jesus loved everybody. He extended his grace before the beginning of time. But then he made a distinction here, and he's like, He's the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, thanks for putting that in there and clarifying that because he also created us with a, with a choice to surrender to him or to just ignore him. I mean, that's up to you. Yeah. There's, there's no working on our part, but there is us believing that the story is the story and he actually did it for us. So that's how you have to keep that framed up. All right, so next time we're excited. We've got a special guest. Uh, that's nice. Oh. Yeah, so we we can't wait for that. I'm nervous so. about this, Al, because my <laughs> wife, she said, you're doing what? I said, we're interviewing Dallas Jenkins from The Chosen today. Guess what her words were? Don't mess it up. Don't screw this up, Jace. <laughs> She, she, I can't believe she would have more confidence Look, in us. She's coming to sit in. <laughs> oh, really? We're not on camera. She'll yeah. just be here. I was like, oh, babe, no pressure. You'll be over my right shoulder, <laughs> making sure I don't screw this up. She's coming as your anchor. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.